This episode of the podcast is brought to you by WeBoost. WeBoost is a technology company which makes the world's best cell phone boosters. I've got one in my truck, and it's greatly improved my connectivity in the backcountry, especially on public lands during my volunteer trail maintenance endeavors for the U.S. Forest Service and the Bureau of Land Management. In addition, Craig has a WeBoost booster up at the off-grid ranch in Gunnison, Colorado, and it's dramatically increased his cell phone service, going from one bar of 1G connectivity to three bars of LTE service. Without the boosters from WeBoost, recording and uploading this podcast would not be possible. So if you plan to spend time in remote areas of the country and need reliable cell phone and data connectivity, you owe it to yourself to check out what WeBoost has to offer. To view their line of cell phone boosters, click on the link in the podcast notes below. So over the holiday season, Craig started to notice that something was amiss with his dog, Rue. Rue began to bump into things and was seemed to be a little bit clumsy, and Craig wasn't sure as to why. And it was confirmed this past week after a visit with a local veterinarian that Rue suddenly became blind. And so in today's episode, we discuss how that came about and some of the thoughts that Craig has going forward in coping with this and learning some good skills to adapt so both he and Rue can continue to enjoy the backcountry and truck camp and do all the things that they've been doing while being sensitive to Rue's new condition of having impaired vision. And then after that, we talk about my recent news, which is I've been accepted to go over to the Bears Ears National Monument and be part of a volunteer backcountry crew for five and a half weeks. I'm going to start March 22nd and end on April 30th, and I'll be out there full-time in the backcountry. And I hope to bring everyone a video series each week as far as what my endeavors are, and also a live stream chat on Sunday evenings, coupled with a blog that will detail my daily endeavors out there. And my goal is just to give people a view into the world of conservation and what we do in the backcountry, and then also just bringing awareness and hopefully raising some funds for this endeavor, which I plan to do through Patreon, and then also the uh, various companies that I've worked with in the past, I'm going to reach out to them and see if they'd be interested in sponsoring these endeavors. So we'll go ahead and dive into the episode, and thanks for tuning in. any updates on Rue? Do you want to touch that and, and kind of plant the seed for? Yeah, I would love, love to hear how, how things are coming along with that, how, how you're holding up and, you know, how Rue is, is adjusting or, or getting along. And, and I think that, I think that'd be great in the future just to, as, as you start to figure things out and, and adjust to Rue's condition, uh, sharing that with other people and, giving them information on, on how to, to deal with that condition would, I think would be really great for other people that may experience the same thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm open to it and I'm, um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to, to talk, talk about it at, at length. I, it's a, um, it's definitely still a little bit raw. Um, you know, so he, it, it was, it's bizarre because I was out at Ridgeway at my buddy's place. You know, you saw that, that little video of me on the, uh, the hoverboard, you know, when I, 
<laughs> dancing to uh, Boston more than a feeling. I uh, yeah. definitely got some moves there, but you know, Rue Rue came with me and everything was normal. And you know, they they've got a dog, and you know, Rue does his thing. You know how he is; he's kind of aloof and mm-hmm. he's just gouting around. He's sniffing at stuff, and so I stayed at their place from the 25th until the 26th. So anyway, that's my, that's my reference point as to when he was normal. And so I can't say whether it was the 27th or the 28th, but some, you know, a few days before new year's Eve, I just noticed him starting to bump into things. I was like, that's weird. And I I didn't, think too much of it. And then I saw it happen again the following day. And he's been on thyroid medication since age two, and he's about seven and a half now. And the, the deal with the thyroid medication is you give him, you give him half the pill in the morning and half the pill in the evening. And it it just regulates his thyroxin levels. And you know, hormones do weird things, you know, in the body, they do all sorts of different things. So I thought, well, you know, maybe I haven't been diligent about giving him the medication at designated times and I need to to do a better job of that. So I was really rigorous about the times that I would give it to him for like the following three days, but it wasn't, it was actually like getting it worse, worse. His bumping into things and just being clumsy. And you've seen Rue on the trails. I mean, the dude's like a gymnast, you know, he's like balancing on one paw, you know, while leaping to another rock. And, um, so anyway, I, I, you know, I brought him to the vet and there wasn't a clear diagnosis. Like this is what he has, but it was very clear that, he was close to blind and the there's this this thing in dogs it's well known that they just have this sudden blindness that can happen and um so that's the the best understanding now so it's it's definitely been devastating to just you know every every single time that i i see him run into a wall or you know, stumble in, in a jump or whatever. It's like a punch in the gut. And, uh, but I, I mean, there's, there's kind of, you know, there's always power in, you know, when, when you move from ignorance into a state of knowing and, and you get to, you get to kind of work with that acceptance. So, you know, I'm trying to be encouraging to him as he's learning how to navigate using his other senses and he's still bumping into stuff, but you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like potty training again, you know, where you, you see him do the right thing. You see him navigate and and see him do a good thing. You're like, good boy, good boy. So with the current situation, you know, it's here at the monastery, it's not really easy to get him out on regular walks and hikes just because it's so cold and he's such a little guy. So I, I don't have that much of an opportunity to get him out and try different things, but I'm certainly in my mindset. I'm like, okay, so how am I going to, you know, 
what's it going to be like when we get on trail? You know, do I put a little bell on me? Do I put a little bell on him? Do I keep him on leech? You know, what are the things that I can do to uh, maintain our, our activities and, and what have you, but, you know, obviously accommodate his, his disability and, and what have you. So, you know, as I'm, as I'm moving from a place of, okay, this is a reality that I've got to deal with and yeah, it sucks, but now, you know, I'm, I'm starting to do a little bit more creative thinking around it where, you know, how do you, how do you turn this into a game? And you, you sent me, I, I forget the guy's last name, but I think his first name is Kyle, where he's got a, you know, a dog that doesn't have any eyes and it, it looks like he's doing awesome stuff. So it's, um, you know, the, the mindset is now, you know, I, I can't dwell on this. I got to turn it into a fun game or, or some kind of new adventure. So that's, that's kind of where it is right now, but it's still, like I said, every single time I see him bunch bump into a cabinet or stumble, it's just, it hurts. Hey man, I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that. I, I know how much Rue means to you and with both you and I not having kids, it's like our our dogs are our immediate family, especially given the fact that you're with Rue so much with the way that you've been truck camping with him. I mean, he's been with you since the start, and even before that, before even before you started truck camping, he was with you. And it's definitely, I'm sure that that's a that's a tough pill to swallow. But I think that you're going into it with a great mindset of saying, "Hey, let's make this a game and figure out the way to navigate it," because like you said, that guy, Kyle, I think his last name is, is Rowing. It's like R-O-H-I-N-G or something like that. I'm amazed. That guy's out hiking in like swamps and doing all these crazy long distance hike with that, with his, his dog. And that dog seems as happy as a lark. And so I, I think that there may be some great lessons that Rue can teach others as far as like, hey, I'm still a happy dog and, and things are, it's not the end of the world, even though it's definitely a setback but it could turn into a huge positive. And I think that, I think having that mindset you know, that you, you've got is a, is a good thing. And I think that'll definitely benefit him to have such a caring owner and a companion in you. Yeah. Thanks. I, and I mean, to be honest with you, he's probably, you know, he, he's probably doing a better job of managing the change than I am. Cause I, I mean, his, you know, his behavior outside of, of just, you know, bumping into things and being more cautious, he's still the same dog. You know, he still gets pumped up to, you know, eat. <laughs> and, um, he's got a know, he's, he's chewing, yeah, <laughs> he's chewing wood and, and yeah, he's still, I, I, I'm not noticing a change in his, you know, I, I don't see any signs of depression or whatnot. I, I think, I think I'm probably the, the, the the bigger danger on that one. So he's he's probably got a lot to teach me as far as um, you know, dealing dealing with change like this. So that's yeah. that's what's great about dogs, right? Yeah, definitely. They they live in the now and that's something that I think as humans, I think that's why we're so drawn to dogs, especially when we have a great companion in our lives. It's like I, I've mentioned in the past, there's days where I wake up and I'm in a crappy mood. And I don't want to go hiking and Sierra's like, you know, chomping at the bit, like the sun's out. Come on, let's go. And, <laughs> you, know, and you, you can't help but be like, all right, I'm going to do it. And immediately you get in a better mood. And that, that's the great thing about having an animal like that with you that that is active and, and wants to go do those things. It's like there's that that's a great pick me up, I think. 
Yeah. And it, and it, it's great motivation to, you know, get off of our, our lazy arses and, uh, you know, take care of our dogs and get out there and explore to, if, if we don't have the energy to do it ourselves, we'll do it for our, for our pups. So, um, definitely. Well, you know, one, one thing I was thinking about, which I hadn't, haven't mentioned to you yet was that I was at Cabela's the other day and I found out that they have the creme brulee backpacker, uh, frozen or, or dehydrated creme brulee backpacker meal, which is the best thing on the planet. <laughs> So of course I bought the remaining portion that they had there. I bought <laughs> four of them. Nice. I've been looking for those for like two years. I'm not kidding. I'm never gonna find them anywhere. So pretty stoked to find them. But when I was there, I did notice the they have a whole section on GPSs for for your animals, whether it's a cat or a dog. Mm. Or Given Rue's condition now with with the the eyesight. You know, that may be a really great thing to invest in. I mean, the bells are good and all that stuff, but if he's not moving, the bell isn't going. Um, right. That's something to consider. If he's if he's hunkered down and maybe he, you know, doesn't isn't aware of his surroundings and thinks like maybe if I just sit here, you know, Craig will be here shortly. If he's not moving, that bell isn't going. So a GPS would be a really great thing for the animals. And they're I mean, they're all different price points. And of course they have ones for big dogs and small dogs and you know, the one that goes two mile range and the one that goes right here and all that stuff. And so yeah, it, it links up with your smartphone and you don't need a cell phone connection in order to get it. It's just through Bluetooth. And so, you know, that, you can use it off grid if you're out hiking or whatever. It's just, I think that'd be a great peace of mind for you to know that, oh, okay, Rue's five feet away. I just don't see him because he's behind that bush. Yeah, that's all. I'll check that out. And I, I love Cabela's. Any any excuse to go to Cabela's, you know, to... <laughs> I know. <laughs> to, to wander those uh those aisles um i love that place yeah i'm telling you man if i had a house and i want to and you know back when i did have that house in denver i'd go to like cabela's or rei and i'd always come home with like six times what i budgeted to spend <laughs> you know so it's like it's like the ultimate man cave you go and you're like oh yeah i can use that and i'll take this and oh but that looks great and it, it's like those those are definitely set up for consumerism and to tap into that vein that humans have <laughs> so no doubt. No doubt. Well, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about your, your bear's ear, uh, volunteer experience that I, I saw that post mm-hmm. and I, and you and I have talked a little bit about it. I, so, uh, let's just start out. The, so what's, what's going on with bear's ears and what, what do you, what do you got lined up? Well, I, I've, I've always been intrigued with that area. I've heard so many great things about the varying terrain that is back in there. And obviously now with the National Monument designation that came into play a couple of years ago, and it's it's been hotly contested with what's gone on with the current administration, which I I don't really wade too much into politics, so that's not that's not that doesn't have any any bearing on my decision to go out there and volunteer. But I've been looking at their website for a while, and I thought, you know, before I realized that my what I thought was a back issue, but is just a hip muscle issue, which is now corrected. Before that, I, I thought, you know, before like last year about this time, I was thinking, hey, I'll go out there and volunteer. But then all that that health stuff came up this summer, and I, I thought, well, I probably wouldn't be able to go out there and backpack or anything. But now that I'm feeling better, I reached out to Bears Ears, and it's actually the Friends of Cedar Mesa that's the nonprofit group that has been out there for, I want to say, 15 years. I think is how long they've been around, and they've been the group that has been the nonprofit that's raised funding to help out with conservation out there and, and keep a lot of the areas, especially the sacred areas, to the tribal. Indian groups that have that have uh, have really significant historical 
sections in in that whole area, they've been the ones to help keep those areas preserved. And, you know, some of them are, are still off limits. It's not open to the public. And just make sure that those areas are preserved and maintained and also doing like GPS surveying and helping out with the free range cattle out there, making sure they're not going into sensitive areas and all that stuff. So, so the Friends of Cedar Mesa, they were, they've been in charge of that. And I got on their website and I noticed that they had some volunteer opportunities. So I thought, heck, I'm just going to email them and see, see if they've got some stuff in maybe the latter part of March or, or the month of April. And I heard back yesterday from Erica, who's the volunteer coordinator, and she said she'd, she'd love to have me out. And I, I sent her my information of what I've done the last three years for the Forest Service in Central Colorado, along with my hour logs that I've kept and, and the, the mileage that I did and all that stuff. And she, she actually told me, she's like, man, this is great. I, you know, this is really impressive. And I, we'd love to have you out. And I, I told her, I said, Hey, I can do anything you want. I'll, I'll help out with the visitor center, meeting people and, and explaining, leave no trace and tread, tread lightly ethics and just helping people out with information on the area. Or I can go into the back country and backpack with Sierra and help out with site crews and, and do trail patrols. Or with my truck, the way it's decked out, there's still some roads through there that are really rugged and they, they need help transporting materials back into certain areas to help out with site preservation or surveying or whatever it may be. And she said, that sounds great. All those things sound awesome. And she invited me to come out uh, March 22nd and do three days of training. And then I'm going to be there through April 30th full time. And so I'm really excited for this opportunity because I'll get to know this area really well and have other people that I'm teamed up with to go into backcountry cruise, whether it's with a backpacking trip back in there and live out a backpack for a week or two, or, you know, being in my truck and it's going to be a combination of a number of things. And I'll get to be able to camp all over the area and just really get entrenched with the local group and, and help out with whatever they need as far as conservation is concerned. And it's going to be a beautiful time of year too, because it'll be the spring and all the cactus will start blooming and all that stuff. So I'm really excited for this. It sounds incredible, uh, both as a work opportunity, but, or I should say a volunteer opportunity, but like you said, get more. So not only are you going to get much more familiar with the Bears Ears area, which I too have, have always had that kind of as an area in the back of my mind as like, I, I got to go check out that. I got to go see what that area is all about. But the the organization friends of cedar mesa that that also sounds like a really really interesting group can you so it's a it's a nonprofit and it's not so it's not a government agency so it's not a federal it's it's something it's it's a standalone organization that can can you tell me a little bit more about it yeah, they, they are a standalone organization. They've been operating that area now for, I think, like I was saying, I think 15 years. So um, I'm going to pull up their website here. If people want to check it out, it's it's friendsofcedarmesa.org is the URL, and we'll put that in the show notes. And they've been around there for, for quite some time. Cedar Mesa, was that's what that area was called, where, where the Bears Ears, there's two peaks, there's Bears Ears East and Bears Ears West. Within that area... That whole area is called was called Cedar Mesa, from what I understand. And so, when the uh, national monument designation came into play, they just thought, well, you know, this makes sense for Friends of Cedar Mesa to really oversee this area because they've been doing it for so long. And so, that focused a lot of attention on their organization, and it really ramped up as far as the the donations coming into their nonprofit. 
And with that money, they were able to create immediately, they were able to create a visitor center to where they can teach people how to responsibly recreate in this area. Because a, a, a big concern with any area that's designated by the government as like a national monument or a national park is it, it's great to have the the protective status, but it gets to be in the limelight. So you got to think there's a lot more people visiting. And they immediately identified, hey, if there's going to be an influx of people out here, we need to make sure that we have a place where they can come that's like the focal point of how you can get back into this area. It's the focal point of where you go through to learn how to responsibly go back in there and not screw things up. And so I'm not exactly 100% versed on their partnership or if it's even called that or relationship with the BLM and the Forest Service back in that area. And there's also... They, 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 they also work with the Glen Canyon National Recreation Area as well. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's considered like the greater Cedar Mesa area. And they're tasked with managing the resources within that area, all the natural resources. A lot of it is sacred land for the Native American indigenous folks that have been in that area for a long time. And there's a number of different tribes, that, from, what I, from what I understand, that have sites in, them, in there that are historically sacred and significant to their specific cultures. So I'm really excited to learn about that. And then also, too, I, I want to try to get my own fundraising going for this. I'm going to contact a few companies that I've worked with and collaborated with in the past and see if they'd be willing to donate some funds to this endeavor. And then I'm going to do some crowdsourcing as well. And I think this is where I'm going to use Patreon to see if I can use that as a way to raise funding for this and help, number one, to pay for my time to be out there just minimally. I've got a very small budget, so it wouldn't be much that I'd have to cover. But any funds raised above and beyond that, I could give that to the National Monument and specifically the Education Center to make sure that when people do come out there, they they learn how to responsibly recreate. Because you, you have to think, like, if, if I'm coming from Kansas where I grew up and I go to a canyon area, I don't know how to operate in there because we don't have canyons in Kansas. So if we can help fund those centers and just give them enough resources financially to where they don't have to worry about constantly fundraising and they can focus on their efforts of actually managing these resources in the greater Mesa or greater Cedar Mesa area. then that's a, that's a, in the corporate world, we call that a win-win, you know? <laughs> so, sure, yeah. yeah. So I'm really excited for this. It's going to be cool to get to know these trails. And they told me, they said, Hey, you know, about half your time is going to be spent with us. And the other half of time you can go out and pick the trails that you want to backpack and just do trail patrols for us and, and report any sort of damage and anything that, that you think should be, should be you know identified and, and addressed. So I'm I'm super excited for this. It really sounds like an incredible opportunity, and and again I, I think it's going to be fascinating to hear what you learn about the friends of Cedar Mesa, but then also taking your experience, the the volunteer experience and the work experience that you've had in the past, where you've it sounds like you've really been a um, a force for good in developing the relationships of like the local city, the national forest um, organization. So I, I see you not only doing great things with the trail patrols and learning about that area, but I have to believe that your past experience is going to really help develop the relationship between the friends of Cedar Mesa and the other governmental organizations and kind of greasing those wheels of collaboration. I mean, I, I think that that's just something that you naturally do. Well, and, and, I, and I'd, I'd love to help out with that and help advance any sort of 
relationships that are that are currently in place or to help develop new ones. Because like, you know, I think that a lot of people and not to get political, but, you know, half of America loved Obama, half of America didn't because politics are about 50 50 split. And I want people that that looked at the Friends of Cedar Mesa or, you know, the Bears Ears National Monument designation that I want people that, that looked at that as a negative to at least listen to what I'm saying. And they don't have to agree with me politically on anything, and I don't have to agree with them. But I think we all can agree that if these areas are special and if the unique environments are worth saving, that that's something we should all get on the same page with. And that's not done. I don't see that being done with the current the current uh, climate of how people discuss things. People Instead of people discussing things, people just blame other people for stuff. Well, you did this. Well, you did that. And it, do, it doesn't do anything. And so if I can bring a realistic human perspective, boots on the ground story through a, I'm going to keep a daily a blog that I'm going to, hopefully, if I can get access to cell service every day through the booster in my truck, or or when I'm in my truck, obviously when I'm backpacking, I won't be able to do this, but I can come back after a backpacking trip into the National Monument and upload my blog for each day as to what we did. Then maybe more people can identify with that area and we can all get on the same page to realize okay, there are areas that we need to protect. And this is one of them. And by working with the Friends of Cedar Mesa, I'll be able to get directly plugged into those endeavors and then have a better understanding of their voice. Because I don't, I don't really know anybody over there. I just, I just realized that I wanted to, to go out there and help and find out about it. So I'm, I'm really interested in going into this, in, into this endeavor with an open mind and, and sharing my experience with others by actually being there and not just reading about it online and, and you know, pushing that out like a lot of people do. Absolutely. And I, I think that th- those are certainly noble goals and, and that you and I have had so many different conversations about you, you have, it, it's, you, you have these siloed communities that, uh, and, and I'm, I'm going to bring up a few examples and I'm, I'm going to bring them up in their, the way that they are stereotyped, but, my my point in bringing them up is that they don't need to be stereotyped or or, or siloed. So you there there seems to be a tendency for those natural purists or wilderness purists that don't want anything touched in nature, and that so that's one stereotype, right? And then you have another stereotype of the the off-road community that, you know, they, the stereotype, the, the myth is that they just want trails everywhere and they want to take their big rigs and just tear up everything. And those communities, because of those stereotypes, have a tendency not to talk to each other and they have a tendency to misunderstand each other. And so what I hear you describing and what i hear you say that your your goal is is to break down the walls between those two example communities where you you yourself are someone that does enjoy taking their truck and going to different areas and exploring it but you do that in a responsible way and you actually do that in a way that helps preserve and protect those areas but you're also someone that enjoys putting on a backpack and hiking a trail and getting to pristine areas 
And you also support the idea that you don't think that an off-road vehicle should be able to make its way there. And so I, I just think that it's, it's a really, it's a positive example to, to me and, and hopefully other people listening to this as, as someone that's getting out there, you see a problem and you want to break down those walls of communication and facilitate collaboration between those groups. Um, so that's a great example, but then that's beyond just the example. I, I see you having a real, real impact on that. And I, I don't know if you have anything further to say about those two example communities that I brought up, but you know, you and I have just had so many conversations and experiences where that stereotype, once you have communication, that's those stereotypes gets broken down. So the off-road community doesn't just want to tear up stuff. They also like to have things preserved. And the wilderness tree hugger community, they, yeah, they they want things to be pristine, but they also recognize that you, you have to have roads getting into areas or at least being able to drop off uh, maintenance equipment and what have you. So anyway, I, I, I think what you're doing is great. Well, thanks. Yeah, I, 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 that's, that's 100% my focus is to just to get people to listen and, and listen without the prejudice of, well, this person's a four-wheel drive guy because everybody looks at my truck thinks that. Well, he's just a huge four-by-four guy and that's that. Well, that's not, that's not, that's, that's part of the picture, but it's not the whole picture. I love to backpack and I've done, I'm help. I'm working with the wilderness society now in a few different endeavors and I love it. And the wilderness society has told me as well, they're like, Hey, we don't want to shut everything down and we want to preserve current recreation spots that are currently in place. As long as, as long as the, those spots aren't causing massive amounts of damage. And all we want to do is put a boundary around those recreation areas to preserve the stuff outside of it. That that's reasonable to me. You know, that's, it's not, I, I misunderstood them in the, in the get go when I was working with some four by four communities that were very closed minded and not all of them are closed minded. Some of them are very open minded and forward thinking, but the ones I was working with were closed minded and they came from this position of fear. And as a result of it, they just insulated themselves in their own group speak. And once I got outside of that group speak and, and actually listened to the people who I thought were on the other side of the spectrum for me, I realized that we're much closer in our beliefs than I had anticipated. And that's comforting to me because then I realize, hey, we're all pretty much coming at this. We, we might be coming at it from different directions, but we all want the same. And it's we want these areas to be nice for not only our generation, but for future generations to enjoy. And we do think there is a level of conservation and special designation that needs to be in place for certain areas. It doesn't apply to every area. And I always told people that there there are some people in the wilderness group that are very hardcore and, and even the wilderness society folks will tell you this and they'll say hey you know there's some people that that align themselves with us that are so far out there that we don't we don't agree with them like these people that think that everything should be shut off well and that's not that's not what the wilderness society thinks and i i would tell those people that wanted everything shut off i'm like unless you leave your front door with your backpack and hike to the trailhead that's 20 miles away from where you live and that's where you start your hike to go back into the backcountry then then you have some 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 footing to stand on but if you drive your car to that trailhead you're full of shit because you're taking a motorized vehicle onto public land to access that trailhead to then hike in it's like a walking contradiction you know and then 
in the four by four community, there were some people that think everything should be open and damn it, I'm going to, I'm going to tear down these gates. and I'm going to go where I want to go. And those people are wrong too. And so I, I would think 90, I would say I would bar, bargain that 95% of the people in both groups are sensible. And there's 5% of the people that you just can't reach because they're just, they're just, they, they just have irresponsible behavior and they think that not, the rules don't apply to them. And those people, unfortunately are, are very tough to reach, but the 95% of the group, it's like, if we could get people on both sides of every spectrum, you, you know, to get them together and talk, then we're much more powerful as a group of people to help make sure that these places get get preserved and maintained and conserved for for future generations and for, and for our current generation to enjoy than if we're fragmented. Because if we're fragmented, it's just like, you know, there's no power in that. So might as well all come together as a group. And that's that's what I hope to do is just spur some more conversations and get people to think. Uh, that's fantastic, Brian. My, my hat's off to you for that. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about your idea to get support from, from different sponsors. And what do you, so if you, like, imagine right now that there are 10 people listening or 10 organizations listening that mm-hmm. would potentially be within the, they, they might be your target people or organizations to talk to, um, to get support. What what's that conversation going to be like, and what do you expect to be able to deliver to them, and what do you expect to be able to do with the resources that they give you? Well, n- number one, what what I want to do is I want to talk to the companies of the the gear that I use that I think would make these endeavors possible. For example, like the when I go out on the backcountry backpacking trips, whether it's for a week or two at a time. There's going to be a certain amount of gear that I use that I'll take with me that will provide energy that will help keep my GPS, excuse me, keep my GPS up and running and other devices that require electricity or a charge. So in that endeavor, I want to say, hey, you know, this backcountry conservation is powered by X company or whatever it may be. And then with the with the communications, if I'm in the backcountry and I need to have my cell service boosted, I think we all know who I'm going to talk to with that. <laughs> so I'm mean, pretty much the only cell service company that I think is, or or the cell booster company that I think is is delivering a really good product, and that's WeBoost. So I'm going to chat with them. And then there's some other companies that I'm going to going to touch on that provide some actual apparel gear that I think would be specific to this area. And so my conversations with them would be, hey. I want to show how to put your gear at work for conservation and how it can be used in a real life application. Cause a lot of times we'll see marketing from, from companies and not every company does this, but sometimes you'll see marketing for companies and it's like, you know, these feel good vibes around a campfire. And of course everybody can kind of see that and go, Oh, I'd love to be there. I, I want to take those efforts and put an extra layer on it of, of, of social responsibility to the public lands. And I think in doing so that may spur other people to say, Hey, I want to go out there and, and pick up trash or do trail work or spread the word about education on how to how to recreate responsibly in the backcountry or, or whatever the endeavor may be. And so giving that company a story to use that's real life, that's currently being done right now, and then they can push it out on their networks however they see fit, that makes their brand, I, th- I feel it makes their brand look very good. And, it's, and it provides a, a, a great feel-good story that everybody can get behind. And so that would be my conversations with the corporate companies. Now, as far as a personal level is concerned, what I would like to do is, I mentioned it before, I want to keep that blog every day. 
or, or a journal every day. And I want to, I want to translate that into a blog on my website and push that out as, as, as often as I've got service to be able to connect via uh, my cell phone booster in the backcountry and upload things to my website. I'm going to do that. And then also I want to come back to the welcome center every Sunday evening and do a live stream on my YouTube channel and have people ask me questions and say, Hey, what's it like out there? Or what are you doing with this? Or how do you see this going or whatever it may be and create a story that people can follow along with so that they're engaged. And then if those individuals feel like contributing, whether it's a dollar or $5 or 10 bucks or whatever they want to, then they can do that as they see fit. And once I reach my goal of funding my budget, then anything above and beyond that's going to be donated to the, the education center at Bears Ears. So at the end of the endeavor, when I'm done on April 30th, I do my last live stream. I think April 30th is during the week. So on that, on that Sunday evening, I do my last live stream and reveal to everybody how much money we were able to raise for the education center. That's great, Brian. I, I mean, that's really, really a, a compelling idea and um, project that you've got going on. It, it's funny, I, as you were describing, and, and of course, you know, you, you and I have been working together and, and sharing ideas and, and different content that we produce. One thing that I've noticed about you is your, you, you really do have a passion and an interest in, in history and storytelling. So, you know, I, I look at your recent experience going to the prairie lands where you were talking about, I guess, if, if, I, if I remember correctly, that there was one out of three genetically pure bison herds out there. And so, I mean, that, that's just something that you naturally do. You, you, you have a natural interest in learning about the history of a location but then you also have a natural inclination to tell that stories to others. So I can, I can imagine you going into Bear's Ears and learning about the various histories of the whole area and whether that's indigenous communities, whether that's geology, whether that's looking at the macrofauna of, of the area. You're, you're going to naturally want to explore and understand those stories, but then you're also going to translate that into whether that's your blogging or your video production development. I, I can just see a series of videos or blogs coming out and describing um, all the complexity of the history and the biology and the geology of that area. That's that's my that's my hundred percent that that's my intent and that's going to be my focus is to to pick different areas that I find interesting and share them with others in a respectful way and also include a message of conservation included with it and say hey if you're going to come out to this area here's the gear that I recommend here's what you should look out for and here's how you would conduct yourself in a favorable manner manner to the natural resources that are here so that you don't leave a, don't leave any trace when you're enjoying these areas. And I want to, I want to do it in, in a way that is not political or threatening to anybody of a particular mindset. I want everybody to be able to consume this and look at this and say, this is awesome. I want to go out there and see it for myself. And I think once people get an emotional connection to an area, it changes the way they view conservation. They have a tendency to pull out all the stops to help. You know, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, if I'd be out in the backcountry picking up 
use toilet paper in areas that I loved, I'd say, no, I'll, I'll never do that. But then I got into these areas and I, I just love the areas that I go into so much that I figured I don't want these places getting trash. And if I can, if I can help today, then I will, you know, if I'm physically able to, and I've got the time, might as well help out and, and maybe it'll encourage others to do the same thing. And so that, that's always been my mindset when it comes to the endeavors that I do. And nobody asked me to do it. I just started doing it because I wanted to. And I, I want others to have that same passion because it's given me such a sense of pride and self-worth in doing these things. You know, I'm not going to get rich out here picking up trash in the backcountry. It's, it's not a glorious lifestyle, but I, I get so much from it that I don't see myself doing anything else. So I, I feel like I've been blessed in the sense that my desire to go out and live a quote unquote free life by truck camping wherever I wanted to inadvertently got me to a spot to where I can go out and do these conservation efforts. And I feel better than any contract I ever closed in the sales world. I feel better than any purchase I ever made when I was killing it in the corporate, you know, climbing the corporate ladder or than any recognition that I ever received from a company. It's just, it's hard to describe it. And unless you, unless you feel it yourself, it's, it's, um, you know, I, I really think people should go out there and, and see if it's for them. It's, it's really, really satisfying. I, I couldn't agree more. One, one additional thought I just had was I, I see two legacies or two possible legacies of your volunteer work out there. You know, one being the specific products and work that you do there. So you're going to be doing site patrolling. You're going to be doing site preservation. You'll be doing surveying. So you, you have that product. And then you're, of course, going to be recording the work that you're doing and telling those stories and, and relaying the history. So that's all one set of, of products. That's one legacy that you'll be able to leave in that area. But I also see any any group and individuals that you bring into this process and either either those that are following you or those that support you. I see an additional legacy that so so let, let's just use WeBoost as, as an example. If they support you in, in what you're what you're doing you can leave a legacy of a relationship between WeBoost and the Friends of Cedar Mesa and mm-hmm. any other organizations that you start collaborating with down there. So after you move on to another project, those relationships could still exist and continue to grow and expand. So mm-hmm. I, I just, again, I, I, I think this work that you're doing and this um, natural inclination, it's, uh, it's a great example for for me to observe and, and, you know, maybe one day I'll, I'll actually get out there and, and do some of this volunteer work for you. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe my area of contribution could be, and, uh, you know, how do you, how do you get disabled dogs <laughs> out there and, uh, yeah. enjoy that area? Well, and I think that'd be a great story that people would, would be drawn to as well. Cause you know how people love animals and Rue is such an affectionate little guy anyway, that, you know, seeing him out there and doing his thing and having fun and, and, and you being out there as well with him, I think that'd be a great story to tell. So when, when you're ready for that, let me know and we'll go, we'll go tag team it. Right on. Sounds, sounds great to me. Any other little thoughts about the, the experience that, 
you think is important to to send out there or even you know any other further out there projects that you're toying with in your mind that uh, are of the of a similar nature that that you want to share yeah the i'm i'm going to be meeting with the wilderness society uh next time i come through denver which i'm not really sure of when i'll be going through there hopefully either later this week or sometime next week just depending on how things go with packing everything up and getting the video production done here I'm going to be talking with the Wilderness Society and we're going to sit down and have a meeting and talk about the stuff in Hinsdale County. And so I'm going to help them identify some areas and see if there is any current activity going on in there, such as motorized or mountain bike activity, because they don't want to, they don't want to interfere with that. And if there's not, then we're going to try to include some other areas into the wilderness, the two wilderness study areas that they have down there. If there is activity in there, then then we're not going to do it because we don't want to upset those groups. And so. I'm excited to to get to know the wilderness areas down there. There's one of the one of the areas is actually an old volcano, which I think is super interesting. So I'm excited to go down there and check that out, and then work with them more because I found them to be very, very good intention individuals. And as an organization, I think they're they're doing great things. And they're like we were talking before, groups get mislabeled and misunderstood, and and I think people definitely misunderstand. The wilderness society, especially when it comes from a motorized perspective, they're not out there looking to cut off everybody's access. You know, they're they're just looking to keep things preserved as they are. These wild, wa- truly wild areas, which I don't think those areas need to have a bunch of trails going through them anyway. Any, any new trails, so I'm excited to work with them, and that's that. More of that will take shape after our meeting, and then once I get down to Lake City, and then while I'm in Lake City, this isn't conservation, but just just getting the the cabin down there for the winter place for me to stay while I still full-time truck camp in the summer. It'll be great to have a place in the winter to go back and stay at and then get these sort of projects going. Because as I, as I move on in my future with truck camping, it's like, I realize as the older I'm getting, I can't do it full-time anymore, but I could definitely do it at least eight or nine months out of the year. And then maybe just hunker down in a winter space for three or four months. And if I could do that, I could use those three or four months to put together more projects like this and then have a full summer setup of going to different areas for conservation and raising funding and awareness and then teaching people how to recreate responsibly, which I think would be great. So that, that's going to be my focus going forward. Very cool. I, I, can, I can imagine, you know, part of our audience, maybe if, if, if you get your systems in place and you get your you you get some ideas down on paper and your collaboration with the wilderness society you know maybe there'll be opportunities for our audience to directly plug in with you and mm-hmm. also volunteer you know following your lead and and uh and, and you can make that much more of a positive impact i i'd love that i you know and if people wanted to hit me up just on my website there's a contact form on my website which can be found in the show notes but also just the URL is coloradobackcountryadventures.com. It's kind of long, but you know, just hang in there when you type it out. It'll, it'll get to me. And then if you have any questions about how to approach these agencies, hit me up and I can provide some feedback as far as what's worked for me. And I'd love to just create a network of people out there that are motivated to go out and help public lands because I, I really feel like that's where I reconnected with myself and I'm growing into the person that I've always wanted to be. And I, I've been able to accomplish that because of what nature has given given to me. Right on, Brian. Well, it's uh, it's a pleasure to be able to to be a part of the journey with you. Oh, thanks, brother. I, I appreciate you as well, man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> cool. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to to getting you out here and um and and finding a way to get both Sierra and Rue on out on the snowmobiles. Yeah. And, um and uh and certainly we'll we'll see. Maybe maybe my schedule will, will allow me to to get out there and check out what you're doing at Bears Ears, but I certainly look forward to following along on the website. Cool. Yeah, if you can if you can come out, that that'd be give killer, man. We'll go out and do some good stuff. I believe it. All right, dude. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll check in again soon. Okay, man. I'll see you probably within the next week. All right. <laughs> later, brother. All right, later.